Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. Fifty-seven miles outside of Philadelphia. 29 degrees Fahrenheit and one car in the lot. Ours. Back when we opened in 87, this was quite the hideaway. I don't want to freak you guys out. This place is safe. They're just stories. And do people still go missing? <laughs> the hotel, it does something to people. It changes them. Pushes them to their most vulnerable. We're here tonight to see if we can find anything that speaks to our father's disappearance. And, perhaps, find some form of closure for the tragedy that has haunted the Moss family for decades. You can't escape the darkness. The shadows will follow you. What you saw in the pool, in your television, is nothing compared to what you'll see in the coming hours. Only. They won't feel like hours. I'm so sorry I brought you here, I'm so sorry. They'll feel like years. I really did want you to have a memorable stay for your final night. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 382. Out now across the US on video on demand and digital is Night at the Eagle Inn, a supernatural horror thriller that stars Amelia Dudley and Taylor Turner as fraternal twins who spent a night at a remote hotel that their father disappeared from the night they were born. A gripping and entertaining haunted house horror movie with terrific performances and twist-filled story, Night at the Eagle Inn is the latest film from prolific filmmaker Eric Bloomquist, who directed and co-wrote the movie. And joining me now on the podcast is Eric himself. Eric, thank you so very much for your time today. Hey, Matt. Happy to be here. So you've been a busy boy this year. I mean, you've um, got released three films, or at least have three films ready to be released. And, you know, you've been very consistent in your filmmaking, you know, uh, over the last, what, since 2015, really, you've released shorts, you had the... Copperstone Corridor series, you had a series of films now. I mean, but three films in the one year, is this just a, a thing of just uh, uh, having more time on your hands than usual with the pandemic and just trying to keep yourself busy during that time? Yeah, we, we hit this moment uh, six months in where we just kind of wanted to take the bull by the horns and be as creative as possible in our own terms. So there was a time during the pandemic where we were doing a feature every two months for, for almost a year. We did like five features over a year. So with this film in particular, Night at Eagle Inn, you co-wrote it with your brother, Carson, and, and he's done a bunch of films with you beforehand. Yeah. Um, where do you get the idea for this film? Do you guys kind of like have a, a list of like different movie possibilities that you like, you know, you kind of 
have on the side and like maybe some draft reviews, et cetera. Then like when the opportunity like 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 the last year has has arrived, you can kind of go back to that and then you can look at these kind of ideas you might have in, in the drawing board. Or is this something that came out kind of more kind of like a fresh idea uh, between you two? Um, this one came about because uh, we had shot another movie in the same location two months prior to this. And when we were doing that, we, we toured this location and as a, as a possibility for the, the romantic dramedy. And we uh, were like, I don't think it quite fits this, but it feels like another movie. So let's just do another movie. So as soon as we got back from that movie, we started writing this one and um, we wrote it around the location and what we had access to and you know, stuff that became kind of central iconography, like the televisions and the halls and all that stuff and did it in a way where we could keep it very contained, but also have some, some kind of scope. So this was a new idea that was just sort of inspired by a, by a location. The location itself. I mean, the hotel, I mean, it's, you know, when it comes to anything regarding a haunted hotel or haunted house movie location is so, so essential because the place the setting itself becomes a character in a movie. Uh, in regards to this movie, where is the hotel itself? Is this actual like living, breathing kind of thing or is this something that was kind of like abandoned and then you could kind of uh, have time to, to, you know, have fun with it? No, it's uh, it's recently defunct. So it's, um, it's very real. It's in Plymouth, Vermont. And we liked it because we were able to do uh, – a contained trapped in a place movie without it feeling decrepit and abandoned. Like it still feels very active dated, um, mm-hmm. a lot of character, but, but active um, or potentially active. And that was important to us too. Cause I think that that's, that's kind of a harder thing to do. Um, the Andy level at least. Is it as cold as it looked on screen? I mean, what's, I mean, there's one thing about a lot of the characters talk about is just how cold it is all the time. You could kind of feel that, that winter chill. Is that, is that something that was really going on there? Uh, it was colder. It was, uh, it was colder. It was, um, the, there's a scene in the bar with Bo and Taylor who played Dean and Spencer and the thermostat was broken in that room. Luckily we had heat in the main bedroom, but then that room, it was like in the bar area, it was like 39 degrees and, you know, their bows in a short sleeved jumpsuit and, you know, between takes, everyone's like swearing and shaking and, you know, shivering. I should say shivering. Like everyone was, we were okay, but we, you know, we were shivering, like we were in the trenches together. And luckily we figured out that the sauna in the pool area still worked. So we were running back and forth to the sauna between takes uh, and saying the whole time that it would end up being a good memory. And it is a good memory that I'm sharing now, but yeah, it was, it was cold in certain parts for sure. Does that cold, does that affect your equipment in any way? We were luckily okay. I know sometimes it does on certain things, but we were uh, we were okay, thankfully. Let's talk casting here. So you have Amelia Dudley and Taylor Turner. They're playing Sarah and Spencer Moss, these fraternal twins who are central to the story. You've worked with them before. They were both, um, both in the Cobblestone um, uh, series. Um, you know, what's interesting about this film is that their look is so expressive i mean number one you have a change of hair color which is funny they're kind of like switched hair like hair colors i mean in this one taylor's got blonde is usually uh, has black hair amelia is usually blonde she's got um a, a black hair in this one um but the thing that really stuck out for me is the eyes their eyes are really expressive in this one i like a really kind of like a like a bug-eyed kind of look is that something that you know that kind of look when it comes to characters is that something you work with 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 your actors is that an idea is there something to do maybe with sleep deprivation etc of these characters that have that kind of look how does that all kind of come about i mean it, de- it definitely feeds into these characters but the eyes were, was kind of the unifying thing that 
made me first think to cast them as twins, I guess, six years ago now on our TV show. And, you know, they're very different heights and different hair colors, but they both came in and they had these eyes and they had a, a sensibility to like be, be resonant with this kind of material. And I think that at that moment I was like, it makes sense. They're twins. And, uh, and, and it plays great. It played great in cobblestone. It plays great here. And we wanted to kind of do the inverse of what we did in cobblestone and, you know, a little bit more expressive than they were there. And they switched the hair colors, the partially for fun, partially because it suited the characters. Um, but that was, that was that was the thing that brought them together was the eyes and they actually for sport they would say this if they were here they um they can convince people at bars that they are in fact real twins and it's something that they have done for fun before i mean it almost convinced me i i had to just do a little bit of uh research to see if there wasn't any type of relation between the two because there is a very distinct look of them too there is and i mean i i very much to the movie's benefit and i i think that they you know they're very much individuals but there's there's a great rapport between them and that's the thing that i like with all the people that i work with in front of and behind the camera is to have that kind of intangible bond and symbiosis that um can just sort of lift things off the page in special ways the matt's movie reviews podcast is brought to you by 80s tees 80s Tees is an online retailer of licensed t-shirts and pop culture gear from your favorite movies, TV shows, cartoons, video games, comic books, and musicians. Celebrate your inner 80s nerd and click on the link in the show notes below to get the raddest retro t-shirts delivered to your door. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Loot Crate. Founded in 2012, Loot Crate is the worldwide leader in fan subscription boxes. Loot Crate partners with industry leaders in entertainment, gaming, sports, and pop culture to deliver monthly themed crates, produce interactive experiences in digital content, and film original video productions. No matter what you geek out about, Loot Crate has a subscription box for you. To get your very own exclusive collectibles, apparel, and gear delivered to your door, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is also brought to you by Voodoo. Watch the latest movies and TV shows anytime, anywhere. No subscriptions, no contract. Enjoy stunning quality in up to 4K ultra high definition at home, and download and watch on your mobile device as well. To rent and buy from over 100,000 titles or watch thousands of movies free with Voodoo Movies on us, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. Now, back to the show. Let's talk about um, Greg Schwiez, who plays the night manager in the film. You know, I think the note that I wrote down in regards to his performance was just the right amount of the range was what I wrote down when it came to his performance. I mean, when it comes to him playing a character like that and you as a director, like making decisions on how you want it to present on screen, how far do you want, did you want him to go uh, in his character? Because he goes to places um, that really kind of stand out in this movie. I don't want to give away too much in regards to, to what he's a, uh, his role is, but when it comes to performance himself, when trying to get just that right amount of the range, how how do you work on that? Do you like to go really, really over the top and bring it down and try to find a balance, kind of like a volume setting? And how does that work with that performance? I'm glad that you say that because I that 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 is the biggest takeaway that we're getting is is that he's a lot of people's favorite character, and I'm glad to hear that. There's the occasional review where that you know it's like oh, it's just you know 
so so big and 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 I think that that's that's all very much by design and I think that most people can tell that by looking at the rest of the movie that he is overtly bad and that's the style and tone and fun of it and we wanted to have this kind of and and the twins even acknowledge it in the movie that he is this you know he he walks into the scene on his first entrance and Spencer says wow you look exactly like I thought you would I mean he is so of this place so it was you know for as for as broad and theatrical as the performances it's actually very measured and um there were times where I was you know coaxing more and more and more because I just there's a you know, we don't have to speak to it too much, but there's there's a desperation inside of this character. And I think that is the the human element that drives all of his crazy behavior is this deep, deep desperation for what you'll have to watch the movie. But I think that that's um, that's that's very much a thing. And, and, and some of the, his bigger moments, like I've he said that his favorite piece of direction that I gave him was fire breathing dragon at one mm. moment when particularly uh in a tough spot. So I, uh, so he took that and he ran with it and, you know, we have takes where he's, he's ad-libbing. He tends to banter. He's ad-libbing for, you know, we have four or five minute takes where he's just going. And I think we'll put those on the Blu-ray and it's called, you know, Greg Schwier's Unleashed or something, but that's something that we, uh, you know, was part of the fun of it. Well, something that's really important to this film, I think is the the sound of the film, the sound design in it. Um, Especially like, you know, you turn the film up a little bit or you're watching it with headphones or what have you, you really pick up and these little kind of nuances in the background because the the house, not to give away too much, but the, but the place itself, the hotel, is like this living, breathing kind of thing and there's so much going on and, you know, it's really hard not to go into spoil territory when I talk about this, but when it comes to sound design and, and, and how you want to execute that, I mean, how important is it to, to add those kind of little flourishes there to really kind of keep people on the edge and just keep people just settled just a little bit more so um, it just keeps them on the, edge, on the edge of their seats when watching this movie? I think sound is so important, and we're very lucky to uh, have had longtime interim composer Guillaume Fuchs score and John Bowen sound design, and we all have a very tight working relationship, but it's so vitally important to any movie, I think, the sound um, but especially in a horror movie and, uh, you know, admittedly there aren't a ton of jump scares in this movie. It's a lot of atmospheric dread and build and strange noises and, and, and things like that. But it's, it's just really important for setting a stage and putting you psychologically in a place, um, as are silences within that too. So having dynamics where you can be really big and layered and then just kind of have all sucked out and be in a vacuum again. So that was something that we worked with a lot too. And some of that was conceived and some of that was discovered, but it's, it's definitely a big part of the process. Screens are a big part of this movie as well. And and every room, you know, every hotel of course has a television set and, and they, they really play a big role in this movie as well. When it comes to, you know, the vision, the visuals that are on the screen, do the actors know what they're looking at? I mean, there's, um, there is moments in the movie where Amelia is um, kind of like narrating the action that's that's on the screens in these different hotel rooms. Does she did she know what she was looking at beforehand? Is that the first time she's reacting to those images? It was the first time. Um, we did a couple of takes on some of them, but the first time she saw them was when we were rolling, and that was by design and for the fun of it. And the the narration that she does on some of them was actually a discovery we made in the moment. I said, you know, as we were rolling, I said tell us what's happening, narrate it, make a record of it for yourself. 
And she just took that and ran with it. And I think that added a sense of spontaneity to it. And as well as a narrative drive, just to keep things moving. Cause we're not staring at the screen the whole time. So part of it's what's on the screen and part of it's her uh, experience of it. And I think it was a really cool balance to be able to, to have both. I think in, in horror movies, especially there are certain films that, that certain classic movies that always have, are always a looming shadow over anything else that's going to come after it. Like, for example, if you're going to make a shark movie, people are always going to bring up Jaws. If you're going to make a demonic possession movie, everyone's going to bring up The Exorcist. When it comes to a movie like Night at Eagle Inn, I think comparisons are always going to be made to something like The Shining. Um, and, uh, and, and it's obvious as why, you know, haunted, haunted hotel, et cetera. Um, when it comes to something like that, like you even your characters even make mention to some of the characters of The Shining, um, especially in, in regards to Jack Torres. And, um, do you kind of like in just embrace that? Do you know that comparisons are going to be made anyway? So you're just going to embrace those comparisons or do you try to just push that aside and just concentrate on what you're doing? Yeah, totally. I think that these movies are... I guess I'll start by saying, like, I'm not anti-trope as a rule. I think that tropes start to feel tired when they're not specific and when you infuse them with specific character um, and and situation and and wants, then I think that they they just become human archetypical themes, which is why we go to these movies. It's like, you know, oh, I've seen a Haunted Hotel movie before. It's like, well, does that mean you never want to see one again? Like, I understand there are a ton of, you know knockoffs or or things that feel kind of half-baked but i am not against making certain kinds of movies that have existed before and in fact that was very much the goal here because with 10 minutes to midnight which is the last horror movie it was much more cerebral and surreal and we wanted to make something different this time not better not worse but but different something that was more uh you know, I could say in a sentence, oh, twins go to a haunted hotel to investigate their father's disappearance. Cool. That sounds fun. Um, so that was very much part of what we were trying to do here is make it um, maybe just a little bit more easily digestible on first watch. And yeah, the characters do make reference to other movies. And I didn't want to go so far to the other extreme where it's actively subversive or we're like winking at the audience, like we're like The Shining. It's just It's just that these characters are are savvy and you know we know what we're making and we're making it on our own terms and in our own way but i i just like that these you know for the most part these characters make logical decisions and are aware of what's happening they're not a hapless fodder just ready to be you know thrown to whatever scary thing happens to pop up and i think that's how you keep it different is just making the characters actual active participants in what's happening and not just set dressing you know, I mentioned that at the start of our, of our interview that uh, 2021 has been an incredibly busy year for you. And you have another movie coming out um, that you shot this year that's coming out next year um, called She Came From The Woods. Is that based on the shorts that you worked on a few years back? So it's based on the original screenplay. So we went back. It's not a continuation of the short. It's not. A, we Carson and I went back to the original screenplay that we wrote, the story, and we adapted that screenplay into a uh, a coming of age horror movie is what we call it. It's the last day of the summer in the 1980s. Talk about talk about tropes, but we do it again. We do it in our uh, own. No, you'll you'll see the movie. Uh, it's 1980s, 1987, last day of summer camp. There's a family at the center that has run this camp for 42 years. The patriarch grandfather opened the camp. The camp director, the mom, uh, played by Bill Sadler and Cara Buono, 
and the the son played by Spencer List and Tyler Elliott Burke, and they're at the center of this uh, microcosm of people. And there's this kind of wistfulness in the air for last day of summer on the same day that they all conjure a uh, long long dead camp legend. So that is something that we shot in June and we're looking at putting out next year. And we're super excited about that. Um, it's, it's fun. It's scary. And it's, you know, I won't speak too much to it because I want people to kind of be surprised by it, but that was, that was super fun. Any idea in regards to 2022, where we're going to be as busy as 2021 or was this year such an anomaly in regards to a lot of things that maybe next year won't be as prolific as uh, this year was? Say one more time. Any idea whether your 2022 will be as prolific as your 2021? Or was this year so kind of uh, uh, such an anomaly in regards to a lot of things that um, you probably won't be as prolific as you were uh, in these past several months? Very kind of you to use the word prolific. Uh, we got we got very fortunate, I think, with people's availability to be such where we could make things as frequently as we did. But I think we all have a taste for it now. And I, I really love being able to tell stories frequently and not have to ask for permission. So I think that I'm hoping to have a, have a consistent output. If not a, if not a feature every two months, then certainly uh, a strong consistent output. We're looking at doing something in Q1 and hopefully Q3 next year and, and maybe something else uh, in between all of that while, while these movies, um, while these movies grow. But I just love, telling stories. And I say this in a lot of interviews, but my favorite thing is to be surrounded by my friends and collaborators who are smart and savvy and professional to be able to tell stories and flex all our muscles together. Cause that's when I think we all feel most ourselves and we can really only do that when we're creating together, you know, just being, being grownups now. So, so both personally and professionally, uh, I hope the answer to your question is yes. Well, I got to say like, I've been a fan of your work since we first spoke about Long Lost a couple of years ago. And I really do think that Night at the Eagle Inn is the best work you, you've done so far. And you know how much I loved 10 Minutes to Midnight and Long Lost. So um, for everyone out there listening, please, please, please check out Night at the Eagle Inn, available now on digital and video on demand. I highly recommend you check this film out if you're looking for a horror film with thrills and smarts and great performances. Um, and Eric Blinkwitz, I, I thank you so very much for your time today. And, and we got to talk again, man. When when she came from the woods comes out, we got to we got to get back on the horn and, and talk about that one because I love talking about your films and watching them. And uh, it's so great to be able to talk to you again. You're you're the first in the three time club on on the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast. I had a bunch of two timers uh, this this year, and you're the first in the three time club. So I can't make it. Can't wait to make it number four. I appreciate it. Let's bring it to four. Absolutely. Eric, thank you so much for your time today. Talk to you soon, Matt. Eric, I do thank you so very much uh, for that. And, and I meant what I said. I think uh, this film is the best uh, you've made so far. And, um, yeah, man, it's, it's such a, a great horror movie. You know, I, as you can imagine, I've got to get some, so, much, so many horror films my way, especially um, with, the, with October being you know, Halloween season and all. And, um, yeah, it, it, yours is definitely at the, at the top of, of the movies I've watched in the last month of the, all those horror releases. So it's so great to to watch that film and it's good to talk to you again, man. And you've been so busy and pumping out good work and it's, it's really cool to see it. Um, Cause I know a lot of people probably have been struggling over the last year or so to get some films. So, you know, that you're able to, to work the way you've been able to work and keep yourself busy. That's a really cool thing, man. 
Awesome. I really appreciate it, Matt. Thank you so much.